While you're slaving over a hot computer, we're entertaining and informing you. Sit back and listen carefully. Enjoy some great conversation with TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. Just listen. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the power vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact. Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, apparently it is a sign of the times. Uh, there is a federal U.S. Health and Human Services Department committee to take a look at um, autism, and they've appointed um, an advocate who links vaccines with autism to that new federal panel. Speaking of a sign of the times, um, it's something that we're doing on a regular basis because of the power of your plate. But how do you make informed decisions about the food on your plate if genetically modified food is not even labeled on store shelves? The founder of the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi joins us today, Albert Strauss. We'll be talking about um, uh, organic growers' vulnerability to contamination by GMO crops and more. You'll learn more about genetically modified crops and your health with Albert Strauss as our guest today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, with the revelation that it has been in the medical literature since 1970, uh, we're talking about the good fats, the essential fatty acids, which thankfully have started to go mainstream in this country with the American Heart Association for the first time acknowledging that a low-fat diet is not necessarily heart-healthy. You need to get all the bad fats out of your diet. You know them as the heated, the hydrogenated, or the trans fats, the good fats we need on a regular basis. Now some interesting research uh, coming out of France that's going to be uh, published in an upcoming uh, medical journal, the first to demonstrate the protective effect of a diet rich in these good fats, the omega-3 fatty acids, against Parkinson's disease. Of course, Parkinson's is one of those neurodegenerative diseases that is on the rise in this country. Uh, those neurons responsible for producing a neurotransmitter that is linked with movement control, dopamine, um, slowly, uh, progressively die. And that um, diagnosis is usually made when 80% of these neurons are already dead and there's no medication to stop that process. They took a look in animal studies uh, that, uh, that when fed an omega-3 rich diet, um, that laboratory animals seem to be immune to the toxic compound that causes the same damage to the brain as Parkinson's. It's a, it's a chemical compound uh, known in short as MPTP. And what they found is that when brains are fed more uh, of the good fats each and every day, it does make a difference in helping to protect against Parkinson's. And the conclusion by these French researchers was that the average intake of DHA 
an important good fat for our brain, uh, docosohexanoic acid, DHA for short, is only about uh, 60 to 80 milligrams a day, where the minimum is 250 milligrams. So we've talked with noted uh, Harvard-based psychiatrists like Dr. Carol Locke, who indicates that up to 90% of Americans are fatty acid deficient. One of the many reasons we care is this newly completed French research, soon to be published, that omega-3 fatty acids protect against Parkinson's disease. Well, this is interesting research out of a South African-based university published in today's New Scientist, a British journal, that a mother's diet prior to conception could actually, if this research bears out, influence the the gender, the sex of her unborn child. They found in laboratory animals that when you lower blood sugars, and they were using drugs to do so, there were significantly more females than males in that mother-to-be's offspring. That when they artificially uh, lower blood sugar, in this case a potential uh, mother-to-be lab animals, they found a decided gender difference in the outcome. Just keep in mind, lower blood sugar, more females, if this bears out. But, of course, uh, you know <laughs> how it goes in research. Send more money for more study. Well, it apparently it is going to be a fallout from the recent Food and Drug Administration's admonition that if you're using over-the-counter cold and flu remedies or even those that are targeted for children, for your children, think again. They've never been proven to work in children. They are now linked to uh, some danger for our children. So, um, according to the American College of Chest Surgeons, they are recommending that patient that uh, patients' families, uh, mothers and fathers, go drug-free when it comes to cold and flu and cough medicine for their children. Of course, uh, many of those conditions are self-limiting uh, by themselves, And um, I suspect it's going to spark a little more interest by many parents in some safe, more natural alternatives. Uh, There are certainly nutrients that make a difference, homeopathic preparations of zinc. In fact, uh, homeopathic remedies uh, are often used for children around the world, a little less so in this country. Uh, But there's great science to back them up, great safety record. And then there's the use of herbs. There are great books uh, like Dr. Linda White's book, Herbal Medicine for Children, that teaches us how to use herbs wisely. Herbs are natural medicine, and why their record of safety and side effects is minimal. They have to be used wisely, particularly when you're you're talking about children. But then there's some some very you know low tech options, uh, including um, just saline uh, nasal drops, a, a little saline nasal watch. You know the the neti uh, pots that were used for thousands of years as part of Ayurveda. Um, and a cool mist humidifier. Uh, And then, of course, there are many of the essential uh, oils that mothers often rubbed into our chest prior to putting on the flannel uh, nightgown, which are are known to be of great benefit when it comes to colds and flu in the very young. Well, it's um, a real breakthrough when it comes to, are we going to take a look at a more holistic approach 
to cancer. University of Kentucky uh, believes that they have bred uh, a new uh, uh, variety of mice that are actually invulnerable to cancer. And um, their conclusion is that when a cancer patient is diagnosed and goes uh, for treatment, that they undergo chemotherapy or radiation and, of course, all the potential side effects, both short and long term, with these therapies. The researchers went on to, to note that we are thinking of a holistic approach that would not only get rid of the tumor but not harm the organism as a whole. So <laughs> can we do it on a basic genetic basis of course the amazing thing is um, and it's particularly highlighted if you pick up books like Dr. Bruce Lipton's The Biology of Belief that 90% of cancer is literally within our control why do we say that? well why we might have a genetic predisposition to cancer it's often those genes activated or inactivated by the lifestyle choices that we make. In fact, we find that better than 90% of all cancer, uh, particularly breast and and prostate cancer, uh, is only revealed uh, from the standpoint of how we take care of those genes. We can literally inactivate genetic expression by making wiser lifestyle choices and thereby reduce our risk of cancer. So uh, they believe that um, this uh, genetic uh, susceptibility in terms of being able to actually breed, in this case a laboratory animal, a super mouse, invulnerable to cancer, may uh, be able to be translated to humans. Of course, you and I know that's the code word for send more money for more study. Well, it's called the Overall Nutrition Quality Index, O-N-Q-I. It was uh, developed by nutrition and health experts at Yale Prevention Research Center, and they are going to start scoring the nutritional value of foods on grocery store shelves. Of course, you and I know it's basically very simple. If you shop the perimeter, whole foods, not adulterated processed foods, and if you eat foods from animal products, be wise in terms of how those animals are treated and and the feed that is used. A water nutrition labeling system heading to stores in the U.S., but of course, uh, you and I know that uh, when it comes to making wiser lifestyle choices, there's some very basics um, that um, we can adhere to. We're going to return to talk with Albert Strauss today, uh, talking about um, the work uh, that is being done to protect you and me from GMOs. Right here on Healthy Talk Radio, I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. A commitment each and every uh, week during this time to talk about uh, helping consumers make wiser choices when it comes to realizing that potential, the power of our plate. It is immense, uh, as we uh, talk about with noted researchers and medical uh, practitioners on a regular basis. But the, the, the choices in terms of our food, the, the source, uh, uh, ingredients in our food, as we are now finding on store shelves uh, uh, these days, like genetically modified ingredients, particularly 
uh, troubling to those of us as healthcare consumers who want to be informed to, to make wise choices. And joining us today uh, is a guest with a very interesting background, um, the founder of the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi. Uh, his interest in really making a difference, uh, not only in his own operation, uh, but um, uh, from agriculture and, and food in this country as a whole has led him, uh, in fact, um, award given to him and his family includes uh, the Steward of the Land National Award in recognizing his outstanding effort in land stewardship, farmland co- uh, conservation policy, the use of environmental and uh, economically sustainable farm practices, other awards that we'll talk about with Albert Strauss joining us today. Albert, hello and welcome. Good morning. Nice to have you join us. Thank you. So, so tell us your journey. Um, well, you founded a dairy that became the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi. Uh, what began to, sp- to speak to you that there was a better way when it came to, uh, to the Strauss family cre- creamery, Albert? Well, actually, my father started the farm in 1941, uh-huh. and I became partners with him and converted to organic um, farming in... 1993 and started processing our own products in the beginning of 1994 as all certified organic products. Um, our family has been very active in in keeping the environment and in family farming in, out in Marin County, which is north of San Francisco. And uh, I wanted to do something that was different. I wanted to be able to do something that was a, uh, that could relay that our farming practices were sustainable and have a product consumers could value and recognize. Now, it's close to my heart, Albert, because my mother's family, dairy farmers from outside the Pittsburgh area, and I remember very clearly, you know, the the treat of getting up at at two or three thirty in the morning with my uncle Boyd to go and, and deliver milk at the time in glass bottles and milk trucks <laughs> in uh, in and around the Pittsburgh area as a child. But I also remember clearly, because here again was a multi-generation dairy farm operation that he ended up closing because he was so concerned about uh, pasteurization and homogenization and and government involvement in in terms of what he knew was was best for his dairy operation and what he wanted to be involved from, from an ethical standpoint. So it sounds like you know some of these issues uh, have been your and your family's concern as well, Albert. Right. Um, well, I made a decision to use glass, reusable glass bottles. We're probably the one of the few glass bottle companies in uh, the Western United, well, in California anyway. And um, we don't homogenize our milk, so the cream comes to the top, but we do pasteurize, and it's caught on very well. Um, it, it's hard to get people to recognize that this is reusable, so we can reuse the bottles over and over again. But that's what I think organic means, is minimizing resource, the use of resources. Sure, sure. And, of course, <laughs> it was once the way, as your, as your father knows, Albert, and <laughs> you know, we've, we've gotten away from that. And it's interesting, I'm sure, uh, from, from your family's perspective, that we're coming full circle. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... It's, it is coming full circle. You know, we keep pushing the envelope and trying to make 
bigger changes, like using uh, biodegradable packaging where where we can. That's non-GMO, um, and so I think everything's moving forward quickly. Absolutely, absolutely. And to bring GMO into uh, to the conversation, many people may listening to us, Albert, may not relate GMO and dairy. What, what's the connection here, Albert? The connection is well, everything. Seventy percent of our food supply has GMOs in it, and so um, from when we started, we started four days uh, after they approved the RBST, the growth hormone for milking cows. Um, and we we got a lot of national publicity because we we said in our packaging we don't contain that. Um, but that's a genetically modified substance. Which it, the difference between genetically modified and, and crossbreeding is that they go interspecies. So um, they take a gene from from a plant and an and an and an animal or something different types of uh, genes and it's not a natural occurrence um, also there's another uh, substance in cheese the rennet in cheese is mostly bioengineered um, so I started testing our feeds well let me back up a little bit um, we were very instrumental in trying to, in, in getting a ordinance passed in our county to prohibit the growing of GMO uh, crops yeah. but we don't grow that many crops here and then when the neighboring county didn't pass it, um, I wanted to find out how I could make a difference. So I started testing our feeds that cows eat, the corn, soybeans, um, and any of the substances that are at risk that, that they've um, made into a GMO seed. Um, I found that between 25 and 33% of my certified organic Corn had some contamination with GMOs, which is not allowed by law. Really? So I, that much? Wow. I, were you, were you surprised? I mean, that's surprising to me, Albert. What about you? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was shocked. Um, there was one of them that we did all the way to get a specific amount. It was 5.9% contaminated with three traits. And um, so now we've developed a program to test the feeds and all that and get uh, uh, verification that all of our ingredients into our products are non-GMO. So we're launching that in January. But, of course, the, the larger issue, because I think many of us, uh, it was on the front page of the New York Times about a year ago, Albert, um, um, you know, read the, the, the comments that we can't build walls you know, high enough in terms of you know, possible cross-contamination. Uh, your insight here, Albert. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't understand the question. The question was, uh, you know, with the New York Times uh, front page talking about we really can't build walls uh, tall enough. Uh, for example, for, for you know the feed that you feed uh, your dairy cows. You know, if there's possible GML crops in, in the area, what then in terms of pot- potential cross contamination, Albert? Yeah, I think that uh, it's a huge issue. It's it's not other countries. It's it's the United States that has the issue. Um, all feeds that are exported to Europe or Korea or Japan have to be tested and tested negative for any GMOs. So there's a system in place, and we're just trying to to get in and implement it here in the United States. So I think that's a start. And, Absolutely. Um, 
it's it's a long road, yes. Absolutely. Now you bring up the um, um, you know the genetically modified bovine um, you know hormone that is being used, and and you know uh, we're we're pretty unique, and that's a dubious distinction in terms of this country and its use in, in dairy farming. Give us an overview, Albert. Well, it's it was used on about a third of the cows in the country um, to produce more milk, which actually um, kept the prices low. Uh, artificially low, so people were going out of business left and right. It was the consumers that made the change. They pressured Safeway and Starbucks that and said, we don't want this hormone in, in our milk, no matter what the effects or not, not effects are. Albert, we don't want to miss a minute. We're going to ask you to hold that thought. We're going to pick that up when we return. Albert Strauss joining us today, the founder of the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi, the Strauss Family Creamery, talking GMO. I'm Deborah Ray. The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway? I'm Deborah Ray, Albert Strauss joining us today, the founder of the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi, Strauss Family Creamery, joining us today to talk about the work that he and others in the, the natural foods industry do to protect you and me, healthcare consumers, from genetically modified um, uh, organisms, the genetically engineered crops that we are now founding on our grocery store shelves right now. You know, they're not labeled. We have another special guest who's joining us as well, uh, who is very, very active uh, in this arena. He's the Vice President of Agriculture for Lundberg Family Farms, and if you buy, and I know I do, (laughs) his rice products, uh, a third-generation family business committed to improving Precious Natural Resources. Bryce Lundberg joining us today. Bryce, hello and welcome. Thank you, Deborah. Nice. Uh, good morning, Albert. Good morning. Well, Albert, great we, to join you this morning. Great Deborah. to have you here, Bryce. Thanks so much for your time. Albert, you were, were educating us about that uh, bovine uh, growth, the, the genetically uh, modified bovine hormone that is used in milk from, uh, for those who didn't connect the dots between GMO and dairy. Please continue, Albert. Yeah, I just want to make the point that consumers are the ones are are making change and forcing dairies and and processors to abandon this growth hormone um, because they don't want it. And Safeway and Starbucks are demanding that they don't get don't have this product anymore either. So it's made it. Consumers have made this change. That's all I wanted to say about that. So if you if we buy you know milk that is labeled organic. Can we be assured then, Albert, um, that there, you know, that this hormone is not present? Right. Um, the national organic law prohibits the use of, of the, the growth hormone. Ah, okay. Any hormones, for that fact. Very good. Very good. And, and Bryce, you, you as well, um, uh, you know, a family business, multi-generation, uh, organic and eco-farmed rice farm. T- tell us your family story, please, Bryce. Well, our family started growing rice a bit uh, in Northern California, a bit north of where Albert Strauss's family is, in uh, the 30s. And we started farming organically in the 60s, and we're well situated in Northern California with in in Sacramento Valley with three mountain ranges around us. And um, we became aware of um, of the 
problem, the concern of genetically engineered foods in in the late 90s, and, and really we took a, a position in opposition to GMOs just because we believe they haven't been proven safe. They haven't been studied enough, uh, proven safe for people and the environment, and that they can spread uh, to neighboring fields and um, and and I would say pollute uh, farmers' fields that are uh, are doing their best to keep GMOs from coming onto their fields. They can be spread through pollen. They can be spread spread through seed. They can be spread by uh, by insects or birds or or other um, natural uh, devices. And and we're just opposed to that. And we think that farmers and consumers deserve the the right and the knowledge. Uh, to make informed decisions about uh, the food they eat, and we don't think they're being offered that at this time. Now, Bryce, I'm, I'm curious, you know, back in the 60s, to, to be that far ahead of the curve in terms of farming practices, uh, you know, that that's a real standout because, as you well know, uh, this is, is now just, you know, uh, beginning to, to enter, you know, the public, you know, consumer's lexicon. Uh, well, um I would say we uh, we had our kind of our epiphany in the Dust Bowl and seeing the um, the effects of uh, or my grandfather and grandmother seeing the effects of the uh, farming techniques on the land in the Midwest and really vowing never to participate in that that type of agriculture again that would allow the earth to be so uh, dramatically impacted and so cover cropping and and incorporating. Uh, the organic matter back into the soil using natural inputs for for growing the food uh, became a, a critical part of uh, of our family's uh, farming heritage, starting with uh, my grandparents and and going to the second generation of my parents and and aunts and uncles, and then to my generation, and hopefully to the next as well, the fourth generation. It's just starting to farm. That's great. That's great. Uh, now, uh, you know, Albert, when it comes to labeling of dairy, um, that is starting to generate some controversy. Um, I understand there's some uh, some new federal uh, potential regulations regarding labeling of, of dairy to help consumers you know, identify and make a difference. Bring us up to speed, if you would, please, Albert. Well, I know that some states have uh, passed laws about uh, labeling Milk, milk products that it doesn't have the growth hormone in it, but that's um, not a national standard. Actually, nationally, if you're certified organic, you can label your your products non-GMO. Um, we're trying to make it more than just a label. We're trying to say we're doing the testing and we're going to have that guarantee for the consumers. But I haven't seen anything nationally that prohibits us saying that. Because the New York Times earlier this week was was talking about you know actually prohibiting labeling from saying GMO free on uh, on dairy products, so, which is of course puzzling and troubling for consumers who do want to make those informed choices. Uh, Albert. Yeah, that would be a concern to me, but I think uh, we have a pretty good footing in the organic standards and the organic law mm-hmm. that, that prohibit the use of GMOs, and so. Um, I'd like to see that. I haven't seen that uh, that text yet. And, and Bryce, you know, when it comes to processed foods and and, and labeling, um, we'd welcome your insight because obviously, why many of us, um, uh, you know, consume rice 
um, it is also a you know, potential ingredient in other processed foods. And what does that mean in terms of uh, you know the lack of labeling to be able to identify the, the source of that potential ingredient, in this case, rice? Well, uh, fortunately for the U.S. consumer, um, rice has not been one of the crops that's been commercially introduced as a genetically engineered foods. Soy, corn, canola, cotton mm-hmm. are the main crops. I think over 70% of the soy in this country is genetically engineered. Fortunately, in rice, that hasn't occurred at this point. And, and also, fortunately, for a rice farmer like myself, Europe and Japan are opposed to genetically engineered crops, and they, um, even though they're not in this country, they impact you know the decisions of this country quite a bit. And we're fortunate from that respect that rice has not been commercially genetically engineered. But that doesn't mean that the research that goes on in those crops doesn't impact um, the commercial producers. And in fact, last year we we saw that that research work had escaped in Louisiana and affected the seed supply of the producers in Texas and Arkansas and and Louisiana, and the U.S. producers lost their access to Europe and Japan because of of contamination uh, from research. And so we find that even research is not being well enough regulated by our, our government to prevent that type of contamination. Because from a political standpoint, Bryce, many of us saw, in fact, I think it was a cover of one of the major news magazines, uh, you know, the promise of the golden rice, the the nutrient-enhanced rice. Um, and of course, you know the questions being raised. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, if if there was you know political message here, it must have you know uh, been subjected to uh, you know to, to safety in long-term studies as well. Well, I would say that's not true. I, you know, I think the biotech industry tries to put that message out that this is is highly tested. But I would say there haven't been animal feeding studies, and there haven't been human. Uh, impact studies, and there haven't been enough uh, environmental impact studies. And I would say we don't. There aren't even consumer studies to find out if the, the very people that are being um, represented to say this will help their health are even interested in in consuming or buying this type of of genetically engineered rice. And I think it's somewhat. Uh, Oh, disingenuous that the same companies are spending millions of dollars to try to develop this could really just supply uh, a little bit of um, of, um, of vitamins to those people and and uh, and affect their say that their diet in in the same sort of way without genetically engineering crops that they've eaten for thousands of years. If you know what I mean, Deborah. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course, the processing of rice, <laughs> as opposed to to the to the whole grain products, that whole message is coming back full circle, is it not, rice? <laughs> oh, absolutely, is uh, how uh, how the uh, the whole grain is really what's going to uh, supply the uh, the nutrient and and the health that people are looking for uh, the the most kind of raw form, if you if you will. Sure, sure. So, you know, consumers see that message, particularly in this country, of fortified grain products, and and, and, and that's misleading as well as it's not price. That's true. I, I think the um, thing we find that getting the nutrients from the, the basic food uh, cannot be um, um, 
replaced with fortification or uh, or the things that that getting the natural whole grain will do for you uh, uh, are not replaced by uh, by fortification or, or other uh, or or other enhancements. Sure, sure. And Albert, to, to follow up on, on Bryce's comments about you know long-term sustainability, you know, you as the the, the founder of the first certified organic uh, you know dairy west of, of the Mississippi, you know, speak to uh, you as a you know as a dairy farmer in terms of you know potential concerns about long-term effects on on your dairy cows, you know, with this uh, genetically uh, engineered uh, bovine growth hormone. Yeah, the uh, effects of bovine growth hormone have re- reduced the life of animals, uh, dairy cows, um, and put a lot of stress by making them produce more milk. It puts more stress on their systems, and they come up with other diseases. They don't get pregnant as quickly, um, and it's it's not a really, in my mind, it's not really a main way to to raise animals and to to live with them. So, um, yeah, that's my concern with, with all these genetically engineered crops as well, as we don't know what effect it has on animals. Um, and even the information, we have had our first um, case this year of a permanent injunction on alfalfa, uh, alfalfa genetically engineered alfalfa, that they weren't um, able to sell the seed to farmers because um, they didn't look at the environmental impacts of, of the seed. Wow. And that spread, and that wasn't published. I didn't see. I saw it in one newspaper, um, but I think the information needs to get out that there is work being done on fighting the genetically engineered products, and we need to get together as a uh, industry and bring the consumers into it as well. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some press uh, coverage, although you're right, Albert, minimal in terms of you know dairy farmers' uh, concern about you know uh, potentially additional inflammation, which necessitates the needs of perhaps even antibiotics in dairy cows from the use of this uh, uh, this recombinant uh, uh, bovine growth hormone. Albert, your your insight, please. Yeah, it, I mean, as I said, you know, by putting more stress on animals, they yeah. get they'll have more mastitis, they won't get pregnant. So between all these stresses, you use antibiotics more, you use hormones more. Mm-hmm. Um, the animal life is not as long, and so you're replacing the animals more often, and and it's not a, a good model in my mind. Sure, absolutely. And, and, and Bryce, you know, back to your point about um, you know crops and, and seeds. You know, what does that mean, for example, in terms of rice crops, um, um, as we see with uh, you know with corn and soy, where farmers um, now have to uh, uh, you know are not able, I understand, to continue to reuse those seeds on an ongoing basis uh, because of the uh, I guess the the, the, the patenting and uh, the patent laws that restrict their uh, their use from genetically uh, Modified, uh, you know, crop uh, companies like Monsanto and others. Well, in rice, we're fortunate that um, rice is not has not been hybridized, uh, okay. so that um, growers can keep their own seed, and and that the um, the seed production in rice is much more regionalized, as it, but it's not in corn and, and soy and, and the like. But the rice. Um, Community in California, as well as in other parts of this country, has had to go back and test all their seed because uh, they discovered that research 
uh, on genetically engineered crops can contaminate commercial production, they've had to go back and retest all of their um, seed stocks to prove that they haven't been contaminated and that we do have pure lines. And I and I think that effort will have to continue uh, uh, on an ongoing basis as long as there's not uh, better regulation of the genetically uh, or the GMO industry. And so um, uh, last year, as it was discovered in in Louisiana, uh, several of their strains had been contaminated right. uh, with more than one type of GMO rice. And so um, uh, that will will have to be something I think that every Every seed-based sure. uh, crop will have to address on an ongoing basis in this country. Uh, Bryce Lundberg, Albert Strauss joining us today. We're talking about uh, the work on behalf uh, of both of them to protect you and me from genetically modified foods on Healthy Talk Radio. Warning. The Surgeon General has determined that missing any portion of this show could be hazardous to your health. Once again, the host who's a medical consumer just like you, Deborah Ray. Delighted and honored to uh, talk about important consumer-related issues that relate to the power of our plate, making informed decisions uh, about the foods, that their sources, um, organic um, in nature, whether it's a dairy or, uh, in this case, uh, uh, a crop like rice. So we're joined today by Albert Strauss, who is the president and founder of the first certified organic dairy west of the Mississippi uh, uh, a family tradition, the Strauss Family uh, Creamery as well as Bryce Lundberg joining us today. Again, a, a multi-generation family effort uh, has been organic for many years, a vice president of agriculture for Lundberg Family Farms. And, and Bryce, if you would, um, you know, with that double-digit increase in organic sales in this country, you know, what else can a consumer to do uh, other than obviously vote with their pocketbook, Bryce? Well, I do think that's uh, number one. Uh, in this country, voting with a pocketbook is essential. That consumers purchase organic products or products that have been tested to be uh, free of GMOs. I think requesting labeling, asking our legislators to label, require labeling, is essential. Um, consumers deserve the right to know what they're eating, and I think that's a hallmark of our food system in this country and not having required labeling is just wrong. And uh, so I would say get involved. With uh, There is a campaign to require labeling. They are uh, asking our legislators to have this type of, of law and a requirement in the country, and I would say get involved with, with that campaign with your friends and neighbors and really consumer uh, consumer grassroots work is, uh, is really what makes a difference in this, uh, in this issue. That's great. And Albert, you know, obviously with the organic dairy gracing the, the store shelves of every <laughs> mainstream grocery around the country, uh, consumers, and you've mentioned it before, driving this effort, anything else uh, from your viewpoint that consumers can do as well? Yeah, what we're trying to do is um, label our products, uh, inform the consumers through our website, um about the, G- the issue of GMOs, um, what we're doing about it, and um, hopefully we can all get together and start getting informed and taking action. Labeling is is the key as well, I agree. We all both have provided a wealth of information, and we appreciate the information and appreciate your time. Bryce Lundberg, thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. 
And uh, Bryce's um, uh, family has a website, Lundberg Family Farms. Uh, you can read more at lundberg.com, www.lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G.com. Albert, great information, and we appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Thank you. Albert Strauss joining us, and he mentioned that website, StraussFamilyCreamery.com, S-T-R-A-U-S, FamilyCreamery.com. We've been talking about consumers' right to know uh, when it comes to genetically modified ingredients. Our thanks to each and every one of you. If you missed anything, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy.